0: Your gift of life that God has given and giving some of it back to Him. It is great to see you here this evening. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Oh, great God in heaven, hallowed be Your amazing name. In the beginning, the Godhead created the heavens and the earth, all that we see, all that we know, the things that we do not know, the things that we do not see. Thank You for being so much a part of our lives, even being here today in our midst. We pray that our worship is pleasing and acceptable in your sight and that you are pleased. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for Jesus, your great Son, who willingly died that we might live. It's in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ it be thy will. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 tonight, as we continue with the work of the ministry of the apostles, taking them from, from last week about their growth in Christ, they, they weren't always the people that we read about in the Bible, but they grew to be these great uh, and wonderful men. And they have this conviction in God. They loved God, they honored God, and were willing to die for the Savior, willing to die for God himself. These men are the very foundation of the Church of Christ. And that's really important, right? You have Jesus, the cornerstone, the capstone, and the foundation, the prophets and the apostles. Ephesians 2, verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the uh, cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple, in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. And so the foundation of, of the church is uh, the apostles, built upon the apostles, the prophets, and Jesus is that capstone or that cornerstone. And God says something else that's interesting in Revelation chapter 21 about these great men. He says that these men are also men who have their names written on the foundation stones of the New Jerusalem. Well, what, a, what an amazing honor that these eyewitnesses who, who by faith in, the, in, in many ways uh, brought to us this message and that their teaching would be the basis of our doctrine, what we believe and what we trust and what we teach, what we practice to this day. In verse 19 of Revelation chapter 21, beginning at verse 9, rather, excuse me. The Bible says, And one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, and I shall show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal-clear jasper. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the twelve gates, angels. And the names were written on them, which are those of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. And there were three gates on the east, and three gates on the north, and three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Judas didn't just lose, Judas lost out. John chapter 7, please. They are our teachers of the divine revelation. Let's keep in mind when we're reading the Bible that it's a divine book right? And, and they are our teachers of this divine message from God. You read the Old Testament, you read through it, and you wonder to yourself often how much am I missing of what's actually there? God's revealed to us what's there, uh, but there are some things that maybe we're missing. Maybe there are some things that we haven't quite grasped a full and complete understanding of. These men are teachers of the divine. In John 7 in verse 14, the Bible says, but when It was now the midst of the feast. Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. The Jews, therefore, were marveling, saying, How has this man become learned, having never been educated? Okay, now we have a problem, because these men were teachers of the divine. Jesus was a teacher of the divine because he is divine. And the problem was that came up Jesus didn't go to school, right? He didn't go to one of our schools to learn what he's learned. Their question was, how in the world is he teaching us? That's something that's very critical, brethren. See, what we're reading, this book, it is not a man-made book. And I know sometimes it's tricky to say, you know, well, this is what John wanted us to know. No, this is what the Holy Spirit wanted you to know. Right? I know we get tricked sometimes. We go, oh, well, Paul, this is what Paul wanted to reveal to us. No, this is what the Holy Spirit told Paul to reveal to us. This is what Paul, if you will, following as an instrument of God, as the Holy Spirit directed every letter, every jot, every tittle of every word that was written on the pages of the Bible. So Jesus, they said, he's not educated. In verse 16, Jesus therefore answered them and said, my teaching is not mine, but he is who sent me. It came from the Father. Look at Acts chapter 2. The same thing they said about Jesus, they said about the apostles. They were bewildered and wondered, how in the world are these men doing the things they are doing, and even later, saying the things that they are saying to us? Acts chapter 2 and verse 5. The Holy Spirit had fallen upon them. Verse 5 says, And there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and marveled, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Well, what does that mean? Well, Galileans are fishermen. They didn't go to school. They fished. That was their job, that was their trade, that was their life. How can a Galilean do what these men are doing and say the things these men are saying, being unlearned? Chapter 4 of Acts, in verse 13, the Bible there says, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them as having been With Jesus. Isn't it amazing what God's Word will do for you? It's absolutely incredible. Church, look, people are are dying today to know. John 16, they want to know the great answer of what happens in the afterlife. And you have the answer. If you can tell people what's happening in the afterlife, they'll see you as wise. They'll go, wow. You must have been with Jesus. <laughs> you know, you must know God. How do you know what's going to come? How do you know such things in the Word of God? Men are always and forever will be mesmerized at the teaching of the divine. The Bible is a divine book. In John 16, Jesus was, he was on the earth. He didn't, he didn't teach everybody everything. He didn't teach the apostles everything. The Holy Spirit is very involved in the writing of the New Testament by way of inspiration the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16 and verse 12. The Bible makes it clear, crystal clear to us that the Holy Spirit is very, very involved and was involved. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when He, the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak of His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will disclose to you what is to come. And so the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son, all have the same message. And the message that came down from heaven to us is the same message. It was consistent. It is amazing. It is a miraculous message because it came from heaven and God disclosed it to humanity through Jesus. He himself spoke and the Holy Spirit spoke. In verse 14, he shall glorify me for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. John 14 and verse 25. Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you while abiding with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll do two things. He will teach you all things and bring you remembrance all that I said to you. To you. And so the Holy Spirit is so very active in the New Testament, in the Old Testament as well. But the whole Bible. So when you think of the words, the pages, the words on the pages of inspiration, remember the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit revealed to us the divine book. Right? Not just a book, but the divine book. And so we have a lot to stand on. Matthew twenty-eight. We have so much to stand on. And maybe when we're talking to our, our young folks. Maybe we ought to help them to understand the difference between what you may learn in school, that uh, something that may uh, uh, contradict the Word of God, creation, all those things they teach, evolution, etc. Help them to understand that the book you get from school is a book from humans. The book that I have in my hand is a book from God. Which one do you think comes first? Which one do you think you ought to listen to? And so that's something that we can remind them of, that this is a divine book. And so the church, the church of Christ, has foundations, if you will, is based on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And they had a lot to say to us. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me, in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And giving us the word of God. What are we going to do with that book? 2 Peter chapter 3. What are we going to do with this, this divine book that uh, gives us God's divine message filled with His divine love and compassion toward humanity? What are we going to do with it? 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse 1. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, in which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder, that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior, spoken by your apostles. Listen to the apostles. Listen to the prophets who explained to us what the, listen to the apostles, who explain to us what the prophets said and then the prophets who said what the apostles said, and then Jesus came and narrowed it all out and helped us to understand it even more clearly. Listen to the apostles. Follow the teaching and the doctrine of the apostles. 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse, verse 20. We know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from... God. And so here Peter lets us know we're talking about interpretation of a prophecy. Men were moved by the Holy Spirit. Even in the writing of the scriptures, these men were moved by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean exactly? I have no clue. 2 Timothy, please, chapter 3. I have no clue what that means. What I do know is that this is a divine book. It's a book that God gave to us, that um, God has guided and directed every speaker, every author, every if you will, uh, that's his in the scripture. Now obviously we know that there are things that Satan did. What did God do? He revealed to us what Satan thought, what Satan did. He revealed to the apostles through writing some of the things that people said and things that people did. Can we trust the Bible to be true? What well, do you believe in God? If you believe in God, then you have to trust the word of God, because God said it's mine. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture, not some, all Scripture. Here's what's interesting. People have no problem believing in Satan, but they struggle with believing in God. Isn't that interesting? Think about that for just a minute. They don't have a problem with saying, oh, that was evil. Well, you know, when they say that, they're saying that came from Satan. Right? I mean, right? They have no problem believing in that. Even evil people will tell you they believe in Satan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the devil's real. They believe that. Even Satanic people believe in Satan, but they don't believe. Why do people struggle with believing in God. Because he's out of this world, church. That's why. Right? All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God and be adequate and equipped for every good work. God didn't just leave it out there and say, go figure it out. God says, look, here here it is, church. I like our Thursday night discussion, we were um, discussing discipline and Things of that sort, and other things, and we just just went on. I, you know, we talked about a lot of things, but it all kept coming back to the Bible. You know, everything we talked about kept coming. Well, you know, the Bible says. Well, you know, this is what God said. Well, you know, this is how God did this. And then, oh wait, God did this in this way. It was just a. It's always just such a great uh, a great discussion group when we come together to talk. But the main thing is, if you come back to God, things make more sense. John chapter ten. Life makes more sense when you think about and consider God it really makes a lot of sense John chapter 10 we must obey the writings of the apostles that came to us from God when you read a scripture and you struggle with the scripture instead of saying you know I don't know whether I should believe this or not give it to God right Verse 31. The Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? And the Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus answered them has it not been written in your law i said you are gods if he called them gods to whom the word of god came and the scripture cannot be broken do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world you are blaspheming because i said i am the son of god what an amazing concept yeah the scripture does say you are gods it's right there in the old testament and you go, wait, 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 what does God mean? Well, you've got to go back and dissect that passage first to really understand this passage. But the way that Jesus answers and, and challenges them, you would have thought that they would have humbled themselves and surrendered, but they didn't. But the apostles did, church. Right? The apostles humbled themselves. They surrendered. Second Peter, please. Chapter 3. They surrendered to God. They honored God. They lived for God. And they allowed God to use them as vessels of righteousness to declare His word to a lost and dying world. Today, I wonder if we're willing to allow God to use us. Use us, Lord, in the way that you see fit. The divine book gives us instruction. And if you believe it and you read it often enough, It will give you an amazing amount of strength in this life to stand up for what you know to be right and what you know to be true. It will give you an amazing amount of strength. And like Lot, righteous Lot, the Bible says, that man was tormented by what he heard and saw every day. You'll begin to be tormented in your soul. Not in in self-righteousness, but just, I don't know, some things that you see and you hear, it ought to bother you, right? Some things ought to bother you. But it's got to come out of the book. What things are sinful and, and man glories in it? Does, it? does it bother you? Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to The wisdom given him wrote to you, as also in all his letters speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. So, Paul, what did Paul write? Well, Paul wrote what God gave him. Paul didn't come up with things on his own, God gave him things to write. And some of the things that God gave to Paul to write and the Gentiles in particular were a little challenging a little difficult to understand as it is to this day when you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation there are some things that are just a little bit difficult to truly understand and why is that? because God's word is a divine book and the way we approach God's word should be like approaching dynamite dynamo is a Bible word by the way it should be like approaching dynamite you approach it with caution and respect. Do we do that when we read the Bible? Do we do that when we listen to the inspired message and the pages of Scripture? Are we approaching the Bible with respect and awe and the reverence due the name of God? So what do these men do? Well, at at some point, remember uh, in the book, we're going to Acts chapter 1. These men in the book of John and and in the Gospels, you find that... uh, well, at the foot of Jesus on the cross they they fled they they ran and I, I wouldn't i wouldn't be the one to call them a coward i wouldn't be the one to do that I would never do that they weren't cowards. they were very strong men, but that was a very tough situation they were in the, these men they, they the Holy Spirit became a part of their of their life and and gave them power and and these men remembered what, as they were reminded of things that they saw and witnessed and heard and learn, learned being taught by Jesus and as they were taught by the Holy Spirit. And they lived their lives and they, and they lived in this first century, right, in this, in this time where they, they spoke this certain type of Greek language, right, Grenier Greek. And, and no one, it was never spoken any other time. It's, it's considered a dead language. After the first century, they went on to another form of Greek. And so they were in this interesting time period. And and they lived and they ministered as God's people. And they went from faith to faith. They grew from men of little faith to men of great faith. And these men, who who are the uh, inspired writers of the New Testament, they believed what they spoke. They believed it so much, church, to where when they went out preaching the gospel. They were threatened, and all of them, except for John, according to history, was murdered, executed for the cause of Christ. And they were willing. they were willing to die because they understood what it was that uh, they stood for. Once you understand, agree and you're convicted and you're converted. Once want you to understand why you're here tonight and why you are a Christian. Why are you a Christian? What does it really mean to be a Christian? You wouldn't be able to help but to think about, I want to live right and I want to die right with God. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you should be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. In Acts 1, in the whole book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, right? Acts 1 is the outline of, of the whole New Testament. And that's exactly what they did. We're going to Colossians. They went out and they declared this message. And I want you to think about, for just a moment, the ministry of the Apostles. When they preached Jesus... It was, it was to some people who were foreigners, meaning people who didn't even know who God was. It was to people that were Jews who were supposed to know who God was. And it was to people who were obstinate. And they still proclaim the message of God. They weren't hesitant. They didn't hold back. But they declared His message in humility and in spirit and in truth. And Acts 1 said this would happen. And they still had free will. They still had a free will. But they went out and they preached the message to all. The next time someone says, well, what about a person that's in an airplane, never heard about God? What about this country? What about that country? Look, the message has already gone out. Colossians 1 and verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, and filling up that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God's bestowed on me for your benefit, that I might fully carry out the preaching of the Word of God, that is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints." Can you believe that? Think about that verse. God revealed something to us that he hasn't given to the world yet. You have it. What are you going to do with it? You have it. You have the message. People still will come to you and they'll say, hey, so tell me, what do you think about such and such? You have the message. Give it to them. Tell them what God said. It's a manifold message that's been revealed to us, but it was hidden in God. In verse 27 to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory and we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ now I want you to listen again to verse 27 to whom God will to make known what is the riches of of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles what does that really mean you know what that means church (laughs) that verse exposes the ridiculous foolishness of racism he tells the Jews you're no different than the Gentiles you think this is a mystery you guys are supposed to go you're no different than anyone else take the message to everybody Short people, tall people. Black, white, green. Everybody, right? Everybody. Everybody, yeah. It shows the the ridiculousness of the mind of humanity. Now the mystery is revealed to the church. What are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? It's yours. It's mine. What are you going to do with it? Verse 28 says, And for this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. So imagine the Gentiles. Here's the apostle Paul who's preaching to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles are going, hey, we're glad you're talking to us about God. We want to know more about God. And the Jews are saying, why are you talking to those people? Because they're people. Because they're people. And so when the apostles, who are the foundation of the church, when they went out and preached the gospel to people... You better believe the Jews. That would include their mamas and daddies too. The Jews had a problem with that. God has given us an amazing message. Now watch what happens when you go against the grain of the world. When you go against the the ideas of humanity and you do the work of God, watch what happens. Verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Wait a minute. The word of God went to every human being that existed and was alive in those days. When you do what God wants you to do, no man can stop. Church, what are you gonna do with that? It's yours. The lesson is yours tonight. If we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation, why don't you come? Are you, of the, of the are you fully trusting?